This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. That's certainly a first, Mr. Millen, starting out the program with the Horst Wessel song, the, the anthem of the German Nazi party. I feel like there's, there's not a lot of call for it these days, except for perhaps among Republicans, because as we move forward in time, it's becoming, at least to this correspondent, more and more difficult to distinguish between today's Republican, of the Donald Trump MAGA hat-wearing variety, at least, and those fun-loving Germans that ran the country back in the 1930s. And admittedly, that's a provocative way to start this segment. Well, let's just take a look at it, shall we? In doing so, I'm going to go to uh, one of our favorite sources, The Guardian, which tends to not be shy about saying things and talking about things that would make major publications here in the U.S. blush. The piece by Judd Legum, an opinion piece, in The Guardian, says Republicans have invoked the great replacement theory over and over. The piece says, from J.D. Vance to Fox News hosts, the theory is being pushed relentlessly by the Republican mainstream with dangerous consequences. Murderous consequences, we would say. Last week, an 18-year-old knucklehead named Peyton Gendron drove 200 miles to a predominantly black neighborhood in Buffalo, New York, He was dressed in tactical gear, and he opened fire at the Topps Friendly Market. He shot 13 people, and 10 died. His victims were black. Gendron, who has been charged with murder in connection with the shooting, although I noticed almost every news outlet in America refers to him as the alleged shooter, or the suspect, left behind a uh, 180-page manifesto that repeatedly cited the Great Replacement Theory. And he freely admitted to police what he did and why he did it, but nevertheless entered a plea of not guilty to the charges of murder. Notes the Guardian, the Great Replacement Theory can be traced back at least to Theodore G. Bilbo, a brazenly racist U.S. senator who held office from 1935 to 1947. Senator Bilbo, an anti-Semite who acknowledged being a member of the KKK during an appearance on Meet the Press, warned that, quote, the present rate of interbreeding and miscegenation and intermarriage between the niggers and whites, there'll be no whites, there'll be no blacks in this country. We'll all be yellow, so he said. And apologies for the use of the N-word, but I think I had to quote Bilbo directly. In 1947, Bilbo published a book titled Separation or Mongrelization? Take Your Choice. In the book, Bilbo argued that the great civilizations of the ages have been produced by the Caucasian race, and that the mongrel not only lacks the ability to create a civilization, but he cannot maintain a culture that he finds around him. Bilbo asserted that the nation must choose between a white America and a mongrel America. Now, 75 years ago, when Bilbo was spouting this sort of stuff, these arguments were seen as extreme. 
The Saturday Evening Post, an influential conservative publication, called him America's worst demagogue. In 1946, the Republican Senator Robert Taft described Bilbo as a disgrace to the Senate. There were several efforts to remove him from office before his death from cancer in 1947. The Guardian notes Bilbo's beliefs were refreshed and repopularized by The Camp of the Saints, a 1973 novel by the French author Jean Raspail. That novel is an apocalyptic tale that attempts to depict the destruction of white Western society at the hands of mass immigration from the global South. The book gained popularity among American white supremacists and anti-immigrant groups in the 1980s and 1990s. In 2012, Renaud Camus, a French white nationalist who was influenced by Rapal, wrote The Great Replacement. Camus argued white Europeans are being reverse colonized by black and brown immigrants who are flooding the continent in what amounts to an extinction-level event. Notes the Guardian, the philosophical underpinnings of European white nationalism became increasingly popular among American racists. The white supremacists who gathered in Charlottesville in 2017 chanted, You will not replace us. Also, Jews will not replace us. Even though that gathering resulted in deadly violence, the racist conspiracy theory only became more popular. It also got embraced by fringe members of the United States Congress, like former Representative Stephen King, who tweeted, We can't restore our civilization with somebody else's babies. But it was mainstreamed and popularized by Fox News' Tucker Carlson, the nation's most watched political pundit. In 2021, despite heavy criticism for promoting racist theories, Carlson described the Great Replacement Theory as true and, quote, what's happening, actually, unquote. A poll last December found that about one in three U.S. adults, one in three U.S. adults, believes an effort is underway to replace U.S.-born Americans with immigrants. It's certainly believed by murderer Peyton Gendro, and I'm sorry that I didn't say alleged murderer, who left behind that 180-page manifesto that repeatedly cited, yes, the Great Replacement Theory. Notes the Guardian, the role of Tucker Carlson in mainstreaming the Great Replacement Theory is well documented, but the mass shooting in Buffalo raises serious questions about many prominent Republican officials and right-wing advocates and unfortunately those are oftentimes the same, who have adopted the Great Replacement Theory in recent years. Racist conspiracy was cited as motivation by previous mass shooters in Pittsburgh and El Paso. Oh, and we forgot to mention the fact that Mr. Gendron live-streamed his murderous event in Buffalo, imitating that uh, mass murderer down in New Zealand who shot up a mosque and killed 40-odd people. Let's just repeat some of the examples that were cited here in The Guardian. Senator Ron Johnson, April 15th appearance on Fox Business, said, This administration wants complete open borders. You have to ask yourself why. Why they really want to remake the demographics of America to ensure that they stay in power forever. J.D. Vance, who recently won the Republican nomination for a U.S. Senate seat in Ohio, referenced concepts associated with the Great Replacement Theory in an April 2022 town hall. He claimed Democrats are plotting to let in 15 million additional immigrants because they were confident that 70% would vote Democratic. Senate candidate Blake Masters, who's campaigning for a seat in Arizona, has advanced variants of the Great Replacement Theory on multiple podcasts and videos. 
He tweeted one such claim on Saturday just before the shooting began in Buffalo. How about Congresswoman Elise Stefanik, a member of the Republican House leadership, no less. She ran a Facebook ad with a variation of the Great Replacement Theory. It claimed that Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, and Nancy Pelosi were plotting to, quote, flood our voter rolls with 11 million new voters by giving illegal immigrants amnesty. How about Congressman Scott Perry? He promoted the Great Replacement Theory during a House Foreign Affairs Subcommittee hearing on immigration from Central America last year in April. How about Congressman Matt Gates? He supported Carlson on the Great Replacement Theory and said the Anti-Defamation League was racist for calling for Carlson's ouster. How about Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick? Last September, appearing on Fox News, he said Democrats were trying to take over our country without firing a shot by inviting millions of immigrants into the country. He also added that each of those immigrants would have two or three children who will support Democrats to thank Biden for bringing them in here. How about Fox News' Laura Ingraham? In October 2018, she warned Fox News viewers that Democrats want to replace you. How about Fox News' Janine Pirro? In October of 2019, she said Democrats were involved in a plot to remake America, to replace American citizens with illegals who will vote for the Democrats. How about Trump advisor and political operative Steve Bannon, a man pardoned by Donald Trump before he left office? He now hosts a podcast, Popular Republican Candidates, and he was in the vanguard of popularizing the great replacement theory with those MAGA Republicans. Bannon repeatedly referenced the camp of the saints as an explanation for immigration in Europe and elsewhere. It's not a migration, said Bannon. It's really an invasion. How about Trump advisor Stephen Miller? During the 26th campaign, Miller, then an aide to Jeff Sessions, was in close communication with the editorial staff at Breitbart. In one email, Miller encouraged former Breitbart editors Katie McHugh and Julia Hahn to incorporate the Camp of the Saints into their immigration coverage. After Trump became president, he joined the White House, where he championed hardline immigration positions. Miller currently runs the America First Legal, which accused the Biden administration of aiding, abetting, and accelerating the worst invasion of America's southern border in history. And how about Donald J. Trump? Trump won the presidency fear-mongering about immigrants. In a July 2017 speech in Poland, Trump deployed the language of the Great Replacement Theory. He described immigration as an issue of, quote, survival for the West, unquote. Migrants were part of a plot to, quote, subvert and destroy, unquote, our civilization. Said Trump, the fundamental question of our times is whether the West has the will to survive. Do we have the confidence in our values to defend them at any cost? Do we have enough respect for our citizens to protect our borders? Do we have the desire and courage to preserve our civilization in the face of those who would subvert and destroy it? That speech was written by Stephen Miller, by the way. So these days, unlike back in the day when Senator Bilbo was spewing his efforts to prevent mongrelization of the races, today we have mainstream Republicans putting this stuff out and inspiring gun-toting 18-year-old morons to walk into markets and shoot black people. I ask you, dear listener, how far removed is all of this from what the Nazis did in the early 1930s? And how about this statistic from NBCNews.com? Guns were the leading cause of death of U.S. children and teens in 2020, surpassing car crashes for the first time in at least 40 years. More than 4,300 children and teens died of gun-related injuries in 2020, a 29% increase over 2019. And if you advocate for getting more guns off the street, well, you might be 
correct that from a safety standpoint, that might be wise, but you'd be blowing against the political winds in America. A growing number of states have passed laws authorizing citizens to carry weapons in public without a license. In 2011, there was only a single state, Vermont. But as of last month, this was in March of this year, when Georgia, Indiana, Ohio, and Alabama passed such laws, 25 states do. And 11 of those states passed their laws within the past year. It's all part of an aggressive national effort to roll back state gun restrictions. Congressional Republicans at the same time have blocked all efforts to expand federal gun safety laws. It should be noted that these new permitless laws allow any citizen over 18 or 21, depending on the state, to carry a concealed weapon with no requirement for licensing or training. Until Texas did away with licensing last year, a person who wanted to carry a concealed handgun in public had to undergo a background check, fingerprinting, training, a written exam, and a shooting test. In Ohio, applicants had to undergo a background check and take an eight-hour class in gun safety. Now, said Gary Wolsky, president of Ohio's largest police union, all you have to walk into a bar, restaurant, store, or other place with a gun, you don't have to know how to turn on the safety, how to carry a weapon, or even which end of the gun goes bang. Last year, 2,000 applicants were denied permits after background checks. All of them are now free to carry concealed firearms. Right to carry laws don't eliminate the background checks federal law requires of those buying guns from licensed dealers, but many sales, such as those at gun shows or from person to person, are not subject to such checks. And it should be noted, gun control advocates are watching with alarm a pending Supreme Court case that they fear will weaken state controls on firearms further. This case is based on a lawsuit brought by two men denied carry permits in New York State which requires applicants to offer proper cause for why they need to carry a gun in public for self-defense. The plaintiffs have argued that the law violates their Second Amendment rights, and the questioning during oral arguments last November gave strong indication that the court's six conservative justices agreed. If New York's law is struck down, the state will be required to dramatically expand the number of permits it grants, and so would other restrictive states like California and Massachusetts. Now, we're not going to make the case that these sorts of laws are going to promote more idiots to walk into supermarkets and shoot black people, but I think you'd have to agree that it certainly makes it easier to do so. Imagine if the January 6th group that had attacked the U.S. Capitol had all been armed. Some of them were armed, by the way. And yes, I mean armed with guns. Although, admittedly, most were not. They just had, you know, things like bear-strength pepper spray, knives pipes, two-by-fours, clubs, zip ties, ropes, climbing equipment, tactical gear, helmets, the kind of thing you see at, you know, almost any protest. The front page of the, the, front page of the East Bay Times recently showed how people are afraid across the Bay Area now because of the number of times you're driving down the freeway and you get shot. The feeling in most cases is that these are gang members trying to shoot one another who happen to catch others in the crossfire. Sadly, the map of where the shootings take place was so extensive in the freeways of the Bay Area, it was, was hard to spot an area to avoid. There were a few. Anyway, looking at the map, it certainly does appear that the worst areas are um, between Oakland and Richmond, along the 880 corridor. Also, in, also where 580 uh, moves into Oakland. 
along with a smattering of shootings east of Concord out on Highway 4. I have had neighbors express uh, that they were afraid to drive on those portions of the freeway on account of this. Of course, it may not be the logical to be fearful of driving through Oakland when we had one such crime take place uh, about three miles away. Gang members were shooting at one another and they accidentally shot and killed a child in the back of the car. I know people who have expressed the viewpoint that if it weren't for the collateral damage done by such shootings, it would be a good idea just to buy bullets for these gang members and turn them loose. Uh, We'd say that's probably not a good idea. Last month in Sacramento, they experienced the deadliest mass shooting in the history of Sacramento. The police reporting on this is a little bit closed-mouthed, but apparently somewhere between three and five assailants opened fire on a crowd, wounding 18 and killing six. It wasn't just one or two guys shooting because there were at least 100 shell casings recovered from the scene of the crime. A a scene that yours truly used to hang out in quite frequently, I'm sorry to note. The reporting in the Week magazine noted that investigators have yet to identify a motive for the mayhem, but yours truly, through a, a usually reliable source, I think can report that the evidence suggests this was a gang based shooting, the Crips versus the Bloods and that the police decided to downplay that aspect of it for fear of inflaming more crime, more shooting. According to CNN.com, the U.S. saw at least 10 mass shootings during Easter week, leaving eight dead. This raised the year-to-date tally of mass shootings, which I guess is three or more. Maybe it's three, maybe it's four. Anyway, lumping those together, we're now at 144 and counting. I mean, definitely in county. That was Easter week. We were past that. I'm sure we can add to that the 10 in Buffalo. Anyway, looking at a source here, yes. Uh, this, this, this is, this is only, it only counts when there's four or more people shot. I guess if you, if you lower the threshold to three, I'm sure the number would be considerably higher. On a personal note, I would say that when, when Crips and Bloods are shooting each other, which are prison gang members, primarily black, there should be more of a public outcry than there is. Actually, we decide to pause a second to check on the ethnic background of gang members. Mr. Millen thought it might be overstating the case to say that gang members are primarily black, and it looks like he's right. The ethnic background that we find states 44% Hispanic, 35% black. At any rate, it's probably fair to say that when gang members kill other gang members, they are people of color. Personally, I wish that when such senseless violence took place, we would see more public protests from the likes of Black Lives Matter because these are black lives that are being lost, not at the hands of uniformed police officers, but even worse, of other minority people. If we're concerned about Black Lives Mattering, it should be the, you know, not just the victim, but the perpetrator. This is certainly not to point out, this is certainly not to make the case that, you know, the main problem in America at the moment is blacks killing blacks, although if you take the time to run the statistics on the carnage, The data would suggest that the primary issue is black-on-black violence. We will say this. Black people are not encouraging other black people to go out and shoot others because of theories of racial replacement. Tucker Carlson's not advocating anybody pick up a gun and go shoot folks. Of course, he's not doing that anyway. He's just opening the door for it with these replacement theories, be they great replacement theories or, you know, just other nonsense. And of course, the problem with people shooting other people to death with firearms is is not, it turns out, a real simple thing to make go away. 
or at least it doesn't promise to be so here in America with our Second Amendment and Second Amendment misinterpretations, which have come to the front of our judicial system. The extremely conservative Robert Bork, who was denied a seat in the Supreme Court because it was felt he was too conservative, that was back, uh, <laughs> that was back when such things could happen. When asked about his interpretation of the Second Amendment, Bork said it's about militias. And yes, this country is eternally vexed by the ambiguous wording of the Second Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. I remember talking to a guy back in the 1980s who was an absolutist in this area and said, no, no, all, all weapons should be available to people. I asked him, nuclear weapons? And, and that, that gave him pause, but he kind of think about it and say, well, maybe, yeah, maybe. Was he an idiot? I would say yes. Was his thought process unique? I would sadly have to add no, apparently not. But I can't resist quoting a bit from Dan Walters. He had an editorial in the wake of the shooting in Sacramento. Said Walters, inevitably last weekend's horrendous fusillade of bullets in downtown Sacramento that left six people dead and at least a dozen wounded generated demands for new gun controls in a state that already has the nation's most restrictive firearms laws. However, if anything, what happened just two blocks from the state capitol underscores the folly of believing that gun violence can be meaningfully reduced by trying to choke off the supply of firearms any more than the prohibition of liquor or the war on drugs succeeded. To that I would add, if you live in a country that doesn't have an armed populace, you undoubtedly are safer. A good friend of mine who used to be kind of a pistol-packing mama, to be honest, was very much in favor of people having their own guns and, you know, loading their own bullets and all that. Mo married a Canadian and moved out of the country. After that, spent some time not only in Canada, but in Australia and New Zealand, where gun control is quite profound. She said after doing this, she felt much safer in countries where the entire populace wasn't armed. But there's something like 300 million guns on the loose here in the United States of America. What do we do? Said Dan Walters, Californians already own more than 20 million rifles, shotguns, and handguns and are buying hundreds of thousands more each year. Nor have these laws prevented the lawless from obtaining weapons via theft, smuggling from other states, or the illicit manufacture of untraceable ghost guns. Indeed, state restrictions have made the black market even more lucrative, mirroring the side effects of prohibition and the decades-long drug war. In the end, Walters more or less says that, well, you know, the bottom line is that uh, Alec Baldwin's claims notwithstanding guns don't fire on their own, someone must accidentally or purposely pull the trigger, and that should be the focus of efforts to reduce violence, such as more vigorous enforcement of laws banning guns possession by felons and those under court order. But then, I don't know, Dan, Smiley Martin, who was shot and hospitalized in the Sacramento incident, has a history of violent criminal offenses. He was charged with possession of a machine gun. Before he was released on parole last year, a Sacramento prosecutor told the parole board if he's released early, he will continue to break the law, which certainly appears to have been an accurate forecast. Anyway, in my personal opinion, I would like to see the black community and Hispanic community band together to beg its members to stop shooting one another. Over the decades, I have seen a smattering of this, but really a paucity of, of such demands from black political leadership, Hispanic political leadership. I certainly wish we would see more of that, just as I wish we would see more of people stepping up and telling people like, like Tucker Carlson at Fox News to shut the F up. 
the notion that people are being brought into the United States to vote Democratic and uh, basically overturn Western civilization is really about as stupid now as it was when it was being promoted by Senator Theodore G. Bilbo. Bilbo belonged to the Ku Klux Klan, and yet the ideas that are being promoted by Republicans seem no different to me. And I'm not sure how to counter this, if you know anybody that's spouting this sort of nonsense. I wish I had an answer I could serve up to this thorny problem. Well, we'd like to hear your thoughts on the matter. Feel free to drop us a line at info at radioparallax.com. Dan Walters, notwithstanding, I have great respect for Garen Wintemute, who has advocated tirelessly from his position as a UC Davis physician uh, for more reasonable restrictions on gun use. We actually had Dr. Wintemute on this program many years back. And I think in some future installment of this show, we're going to dig out, uh, dig out that chat and, and, and pull some excerpts from it. I think something else I want to do is bring on some legal authorities to, to, to go over the wording of the Second Amendment and see if we can come up with a more uh, rational explanation of why it's worded the way it is. But on the other hand, that ain't going to affect the MAGA hat wearing people out there that are out buying 38s or machine guns. And we need to do a callback to uh, something we talked about a couple weeks ago, which, which was that as protesters angered by the death of George Floyd filled the streets around the White House, that was back in June of 2020, then-President Donald Trump asked then-Defense Secretary Mark Esper about whether soldiers could fire on them. Esper noted in his new book that Trump asked him, can't you just shoot them? The then-President added, just shoot them in the legs or something. We do want to close by noting that not all Americans of a conservative bent are gun advocates slash nuts. A national Quinnipiac survey conducted in 2019 noted that law enforcement agencies strongly oppose permitless gun carry. 77% of Americans, including 68% of gun owners, back mandatory gun licensing. But we're going in the other direction, and it's not good. A study in Wisconsin showed that gun homicides there rose by a third after a right-to-carry law got passed in 2011. In Missouri, gun homicides rose by 47% and suicides by 24% after the state repealed its gun licensing law. Kind of reminds me of a quip that, that I, think some, I think it was some playwright made many years ago that, you know, when the curtain opens and up on the stage... You have a, uh, a set with guns mounted on the wall. You, you, can, you can be pretty sure that before the scene is over, someone's going to take them down and use them. Now, I have to confess, I haven't seen enough plays with guns on the wall to establish whether that's valid or not. But, but it seems to me that if more guns are around, more guns are going to be used. And on that sad note, I think we need to take a break. Let's, let's do so. You're listening to Radio... Parallax. Hi, this is James Brown, soul brother number one, always fighting. Now I'm fighting for your life. I'm fighting for your life because if you use drugs, you better leave it alone. Drugs are contagious. They're killers. Every drug is a killer. Stay away from drugs. Drugs will take your life away. And if you want to live, stay away from drugs because they are Super bad, super bad, super bad, super bad, super bad.